Appreciate you. Thanks, Pastor Eric. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. It is an honor to be here with Pastor Eric and Sincerity, and I'll tell you, we, we love these guys. Do you realize just how blessed you are? You blessed, I mean, these guys are amazing. I, I mentioned this in, the, in the, the leaders' meeting a little bit earlier, but I was reminded of a, a quote by Warren Bennis uh, this morning as I was getting ready to come here because I remember some of those early conversations Pastor, when uh, you know we were dreaming and you were talking about uh, the dreams that God had put in your heart for planting the church here, and uh, that's a journey. That is an incredible, amazing journey. And uh, I remember a quote by Warren Bennis that simply says this: that leadership is the capacity to translate vision into reality. And uh, today we're sitting in the reality. <laughs> You're part of the reality because uh, Pastor Eric and Sincerity listened to the voice of God. They heard the voice of God, they were obedient to the voice of God, and they continue to walk this out today. So I hope that you show that love to your pastors uh, always, 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 always. And uh, Pastor, thanks for allowing us to be here today. I know you've had some great times the last few weeks. Pastor Kelly, a couple of weeks ago, and then uh, you sur- how many of you survived Jason being here last week? Yeah. My wife's oldest son is crazy. Absolutely. Well, our oldest son. But anyway, <laughs> I do not know where he gets some of this stuff. But uh, I'll tell you, I, I, uh, he said that he and Lisa said they had a great time here last weekend. And I, uh, I have just really been looking forward to being here myself. Thank you again, Pastor, for, for just letting me be a small part of this. And it's fun to go on the journey uh, together. Uh, how many of you, I'm wondering, how many of you, I don't know if I can see this, how many of you have been serving the Lord, you've been a Christian less than one year? Would you raise your hand? That's a brand new believers. You've been in the race for, for a year or less. What about five years or less? Oh, a bunch, bunch more. Anybody? Let's, let's go a little bit different direction. How many of you have been in this race called Christianity for 10 years or more? Raise your hand. Oh, wow. What about 20 years? I still see some hands going up. 30 years. Pastor Eric, what was this? <laughs> 40 years? Do we have any 40? I got some 40s? 50 years? I, I think I'm probably missing some. You've been in the race for a long time. I, uh, Pastor Eric mentioned the, the bike, the cycling, the whole cycling thing. I think we can blame on Jason. Because uh, eight years ago, he got into cycling. And anything he does, he just goes crazy over it. And he, I remember him calling me eight years ago and said, Dad, I'm going to ride in a century ride. And I said, what's a century ride? He says, it's a hundred-mile bicycle race. And I'm thinking, crazy. How in the world do you do those kind of things? And, and so we talked ahead of time, and I said, hey, I'll, I'll call you a couple of times during the day just to see how it's going. And I, I just can't wrap my mind around it. I remember calling him at about mile 30 or 40, somewhere along in there, and I asked this really dumb question. First of all, I said, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. And I, then I asked a really dumb question. I said, you haven't let any girls pass you, have you? <laughs> to which he said, yeah, Dad, there have been quite a few. And I have eaten those words, by the way, thousands of times, I think, since, uh, since I took up cycling. And, and then I talked to him later that day. My, the most important question was this, Jason, did you finish? I, uh, I knew how excited he was at the start of the race, but I wanted to know, did he finish the race? And then five years ago, he decided to do something called an Ironman. An Ironman. 
And uh, an Ironman race is a it's a combination. It's a triath a, a huge triathlon. It involves 2.4 miles of swimming. And by the way, this is the this is the starting point. This is that is a crazy thing to be a part of. As all these people are in the water there, and it, they just look like you know it, it's just pretty a pretty crazy thing to see. 2.4 miles of swimming, and then they get out of the water and they jump on the bicycles and they ride 112 miles, and then they I started to say jump off the bikes, but they climb off the bikes, and then they run a marathon, 26.2. Miles and uh, Becky and I had the uh, had the privilege of being able to go and to be there. I'm telling you, being at the starting point, I, I told Jason if I'm going to be there, I want to be there for the entire thing. And uh, I don't know where he gets that crazy stuff, but I wanted to be there for the entire thing. And so I was there at the beginning. I, I had had a biking accident a couple of weeks before and had a fractured uh, shoulder blade. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of limping along. But we got to be there for the race, got to be there for the entirety of it. Uh, there, is a, there is a time limit, though, on the, on the Ironman, 17 hours. And for those of you who have never done anything, I've never done anything like this. I mean, 17 hours, you think that is an eternity. But uh, at the finish line, you have to cross the finish line in less than 17 hours. And the whole idea is finishing the race. Every single runner that runs, that is the goal, is to finish the race. Here's the crazy thing. If you cross the finish line 30 seconds past 17 hours, they don't put a time there. They put DNF, did not finish. Can you imagine? I don't know about you. I cannot imagine. I can't wrap my mind around that. After swimming 2.4 miles, after cycling 112 miles, after the excruciating 26.2 miles, you come to the finish line and there's a clock that is there that is counting down. And if you don't beat the clock, you get a did not finish. The Bible talks about our relationship with God, our Christianity being like a race. Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Now, the races that we think about, there is a winner and then there's second, third, fourth, fifth place or whatever. But when he says run to win, He's focusing on the fact that, that that is the focal point for every one of us, and the real goal is not to be the first one across the finish line, but to finish the race. Paul talks about this for himself in Acts chapter 20 when he says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Finish the race. I remember seeing Jason at various intervals as he was doing that Ironman. And uh, he did really well in the swimming he felt so good after getting out of the swimming, he jumped on his bike and he ran, he rode 112 miles and never got off the bike. For those of you who are into cycling, you know the value of being able to just get off the bike for just a, just a minute or two and move around just a little bit. As a result of that, when it came time for the marathon, he, he really left too much on the cycle, on the bike and 
The, 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 the marathon killed him. It just absolutely killed him. And his time was way off. I remember us waiting at a particular point. We knew he should have been there. He didn't show up. We waited 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. He finally got there and he was, I mean, he was like the walking dead. I'm telling you, he was, he was really struggling. He ultimately finished the race, but I remember him telling me, Dad, I saw a grassy knoll and I wanted to just, I, everything in me said, just, just go out there on that grassy knoll and go to sleep. He said, I wanted to quit so many times, so many times. When I did uh, that first year, Eric, you talked about, it's all, there's something about the first year. I remember the first year of doing Bite for the Light. And remember, I'm the old guy. All these other guys are like Pastor Eric. And Pastor Eric, he can ride forever. You know, 500 miles is nothing for him. But on the, on the first day of the first year of Bite for the Light, we were about 30, 40, 50 miles in and and uh, we had made a stop to refuel and, you know, fill up our water bottles. And uh, I was uh, kind of standing off by myself. And Gerald, who coordinates all of this, he came to me. It's our youngest son. And he uh, kind of lowered his voice and he said, uh, Dad, I'm, I'm proud of you, but we need to pick up the pace. That was code for, Dad, you are going way too slow. To which I responded, I said to him, Gerald, don't give me any of that. I will be there at the finish line. I'll be there at the finish line. I read a quote a couple of weeks ago that says this, nobody remembers how you started, but nobody forgets how you finished. Nobody remembers how you started, but nobody forgets how you finished. And the way that you finish many times is you simply don't quit. You simply don't quit. I was talking with uh, Dave Barry before the service this morning and, and, uh, Dave got to be a part of this uh, uh, last year, maybe the year before. I can't remember. It's all run together now. But but uh, we were talking about a particular area just outside of Bernalillo. And uh, I remember that, that training, uh, training ride that I did with Gerald before year one. And we rode from uh, Albuquerque or from Rio Rancho out to San Ysidro and back. And, and as we're starting back into town, there are a couple of really pretty significant hills and we came to those hills, and I looked at those, and they just looked impossible to me. I'd never ridden anything like that. And Gerald was with me. He was right behind me, and he was saying, Dad, you can do this. You can do this. So we started up the hill, and I mean, I've, I've gone through every gear on my bike, and uh, and I am dying. I mean, I'm just barely getting started on it, and I'm dying, and, and uh, my heart is pounding. I mean, I, I can't hardly breathe. And between those gasps of breath, I said to Gerald, I said, Gerald, I've got to make a quick stop. And Gerald said, no, Dad, you can't stop. You can't stop. I said, Gerald, I only need 30 seconds. No, Dad, you can't stop. Keep pedaling. Keep pedaling. Keep pedaling. Gerald, I'm, I'm about to die, Gerald. I've, uh, come on. Give me a break here. I'm telling you, Gerald pushed me all the way up the hill. He, he simply would not let me quit because he knew that I had to get to the top of the hill. I want you to listen to Paul's final words from 1 Timothy chapter 4. When he says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is nothing like being at the finish line. 
of any kind of a race. Man, the finish line for the bike for the light is always amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. Whether you're the rider or the people that may be there, the finish line is really, really amazing. But the finish line for the Ironman is just unbelievable. I can't wrap my mind around it. It's really kind of a, for me, it was like a, a spiritual experience uh, being there because every runner, when they come to that place, they may have been going for 10 hours or 12 hours or 14 hours or 16 hours. But when they cross the finish line, they receive a finisher's medal. And there's nothing quite like it being a finisher. And that's what I'm talking to us about today. You see, God doesn't give rewards. He doesn't give awards for participation. He gives awards for finishers. He's looking for you and me to be a finisher in this race. Let me ask you this morning, have you ever felt like quitting? Have you ever felt like just giving up? Have you ever, have you ever wanted to just push the pause button on this thing called Christianity? Have you ever, have you ever gotten tired? Have you ever gotten weary? The reality is every single one of us have been there. Wouldn't it be nice if the race was always fun? If it was all downhill? The first year when they started talking about Bike for the Light and they talked me into it, I, I remember teasing some people, and I, I said, I, I'm going to sign up for all the downhill. And uh, my idea was that we would probably start at the top of Ratone Pass, uh, and I would just, you know, I would, I'd take care of the downhill, and then I'd pass the baton to people like Pastor Eric and let other people deal with that. But I realized it does, just doesn't work that way. And our relationship with God doesn't work that way. This thing called Christianity is a race, and it's not a sprint. It's more like an Ironman. It's more like a marathon. And it is, it is hard and it is grueling. And here's the reality. Not everyone finishes. Not everyone finishes. Paul wrote to the church at Galatia and he spoke these words. He said, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you would not obey the truth? In other words, you were running so well. What happened? I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that for myself. I don't want to hear that for anyone else. You did run well. What happened? If you read the book of Hebrews, Hebrews has us some incredible insights really to help us understand what it takes to be finishers. To really comprehend the book of Hebrews and what the book is really all about, I think you have to understand who this letter is to. It's to, obviously, these Hebrews, these Jewish believers Individuals who have heard about Jesus, they have been introduced to Jesus, they have been taught about Jesus. Probably some of them had talked to people who talked to other people who perhaps had actually walked with Jesus. So um, they're, they're, in, they're in close, close relationship with this man named Jesus. Uh, and they have now accepted Christ, entered into a relationship with him and your pastor just talked about that a few moments ago. It's the best decision any of us ever make in our lives. It is absolutely the most important and the best decision we ever make. But by the time these Jewish believers have, are receiving this letter, life has gotten hard. It's gotten hard. Prior to this, there had been an extended season where, where uh, things were good. And there, there wasn't any, any real challenge to them. And there was peace as Christ's followers and they were blessed. But by the time this was written, things had changed. And now they were experiencing unbelievable difficulties. 
and they're being persecuted. When I say they're being persecuted, I'm not talking about someone didn't like their Facebook page. I'm not talking about the fact that someone uh, didn't wave at them or someone spoke ill of them. Christians by this time are being arrested and thrown in jail. They are being beaten. They are, they are being killed for their faith. They are being led into arenas where thousands of people filled the arenas uh, and watched on as Christians were led into the arenas and then lions were released uh, that would chase those Christians down and kill them. That's what kind of persecution they were dealing with. So as this letter is being written, it basically focuses on two things. Now remember, these are people who are in the race, but the race has now gotten really, really hard. And they, they really are struggling, and they feel like giving up. And so the writer of the Hebrews writes to them, and the, one of the key words in Hebrews is the word better. And basically the writer of the Hebrews is saying to these runners in the race who are weary and they're discouraged and they're fearful and they're, they're feeling all the pressure of this. He's saying to them, it's like he's calling out to them, saying to them, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. This Jesus that you've invited into your heart, allowed to be your Savior, He is better. He's better than, than anything the prophets could have ever brought. He's better than the, the sacrifices of yesterday. There is nothing better than this relationship that Jesus has with you. What He has done for you, no one else can do. And He's wanting to encourage them. And then the other part of this letter is about quitting. He basically would say, don't quit. Don't stop. You feel like quitting, but don't quit. You feel like just laying down, but don't, don't lay down. You feel like pushing the pause button. You feel like taking a break, but don't do it. Don't take a break. Keep moving forward. Hebrews 10, 11, and 12 gives us kind of a, a panoramic view of this. Chapter 10 closes out with, with an encouragement to persevere. Persevere. Persevere, you know, people don't have to talk about perseverance at the starting line. It's after you've been going for a while. That's when you have to talk about perseverance. It's when you're trying to climb that hill and you feel like laying down and quitting. It's, it's when you've had it. And he says to them, you need to persevere. Don't quit. Keep moving on. And an essential, if you're going to persevere, is faith. Which is what he talks about as he begins chapter 11. And he begins to talk to them about the fact that it's impossible to please God without faith. That faith is always forward moving and faith is about trusting in Jesus. And let me just encourage us and tell you this morning, if the enemy can stop your forward motion in your relationship with God, if you're not careful, he can keep you from the finish line. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to somehow keep us from the finish line. So listen to the writer of the Hebrews in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients, in other words, those that have gone before us, they were commended for. The message version says it like this. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It is the firm foundation under which 
It, it, it makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them apart from the crowd. Remember, again, he's talking to these Hebrews that are really wondering, is this thing really going to work out? Is this just a Sunday morning gathering, or is it really, really real? And the writer of the Hebrews is saying, think about those people that have gone before us. Think about Abel and Enoch and all of those individuals uh, that have gone before us. Uh, And he says to them things like this as you read through that chapter. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice. And by faith, Enoch was taken up from this life. And by faith, Noah built an ark. That was a hundred year building program. By faith, he did that. By faith, Abraham obeyed. And he's talking about people that are going on a journey with God. That's faith. And God going on a journey with people. That's the presence of God. Could I remind you this morning that, that if you'll walk with him, he will never be absent. He will never leave you alone. That journey of faith is a journey where God walks with you every step of the way. And here's the author of Hebrews uh, who is saying to these runners who are tired and weary and struggling. He's saying to them, God did it with Abel and God did it with Enoch and Noah and Abraham. And he's basically saying, God can see you through this. You may be struggling now. You may be fearful now. But God will hang in there with you. He keeps going on and he talks about Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and all of these individuals. And he's basically pointing the finger at them and saying, these individuals had faith in God and God helped them to persevere and to finish the race. I want you to notice the connection between faith and faithful because he's talking about some faithful people here. And there really is a connection between faith and faithful. God calls us to be faithful when we feel good and when we don't feel good. God calls us to be faithful when it's going well and when it's not going well. He wants us to be faithful when we agree with what's going on and when we don't agree with what's going on. Whether we like it or not, to be faithful. It wasn't always easy. But these ancestors kept pushing forward and they kept running in the race and as they did the waters were parted and they crossed over on dry land and the walls came crumbling down and that kept them from the promises of God kingdoms were conquered he talks about that in this chapter you see faith is not just an emotion it's not just a feeling it's at the very core it's at the very core of our relationship with God It's at the very core of what helps us to keep going in the race, uh, even when it's difficult and we feel like quitting. Hebrews chapter 11 is a list of finishers. They're finishers. These are the individuals. These are, we know them as the heroes of faith. These are the finishers in the race. Uh, A list of people who knew what it was like to run in the race and to finish. And for many of them, they, they escaped the sword and, and they escaped the lions and, and, and they, I mean, they finished the race in, in, in great ways, but it didn't turn out exactly the same for all of them. If you read the entirety of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 35, you hear things like this, but others were tortured. You might say, but nobody told me anything about this. You mean Christianity is not all downhill? 
You mean it's not all something that we can just coast on? No, there's some challenges along the way. He talks here about some very real things. There were people who were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. In other words, they were given the opportunity. If you will turn away from God, we will, we will not kill you. We will not throw you in prison. And they had to make hard choices there. Some were jeered at and their backs were, others, uh, their backs were cut open with whips and others were chained in prison and some died by stoning and, and you look at that and you say, I, I, that's not what I want for my life, for my family. That, I don't want anything to do with this. Verse 38, I love this. These individuals, they were too good for this world. He talks about a group of people who had a relationship with God. Who understood that their relationship with God is more important than even life itself. And they were willing to lay down their lives if that, what, that's what it required in order for them to finish the race. The one commonality of all these people that you read about in Hebrews chapter 11, they didn't quit. Did they feel like quitting? Absolutely. Were there circumstances, would we have looked at them and said, you know, I, I understand. I understand them feeling the way that they felt, but they didn't quit. And then he rolls into chapter 12. And he begins to speak even more personally. And I think he speaks to us today when he starts chapter 12 with these words. Therefore, we also, we here at the Grove on this Sunday morning, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Who are those witnesses? It's all of those believers that have gone before us. The neat thing about this picture, if I understand it correctly, what he's talking about here, that great cloud of witnesses are the people that have run the race before us. They have crossed the finish line. And when they cross the finish line, they turn around and they become this great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on. They are cheering us on, seeing that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witness. Let us, you and I, lay aside every weight, every weight, anything that would weigh us down, anything that would hinder us, anything that would make it more difficult than it needs to be. You talk to people who are into, into cycling and you understand that everything, I mean, weight is everything. They want to get the bicycle that weighs nothing. They want to get, I mean, every component, they want, they want that component that is, that is a milligram less than the, than the other thing. I remember the first year we were getting ready to ride and, and I got on one of those road bikes for the very first time, that skinny little saddle, that they call it a saddle, that seat. It's, it's, uh, anyway, I, I remember getting on that and I, and immediately I'm thinking, man, this is uncomfortable. And I went to Gerald and I said, Gerald, do they not make a comfortable seat for these bikes? He said, Dad, it's all about aerodynamics. And I said, Gerald, I could give up a lot of aerodynamics for some comfort. It's a, I mean, but, but if you're, if you're riding those bicycles, it's about, it's about weight. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. We've got to lay those things aside. We've got to deal with the sin in our lives. We've got to allow Him to wash our sins away. We've got to reject any temptation to sin. And let us run with endurance. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I hope you can see the picture this morning. We were singing just a little while ago. What a beautiful name. What a powerful name. That name of Jesus. He has no rival. He took my place in your place. And he hung on a cross. And he stared sin right in the eye. And he conquered death. Hell and the grave. And this is a picture of Jesus who conquered and he now sits as the conquering finisher at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Praise God. The author and the finisher of our faith. That's the one we look to. That's the one we look to. Let me take us back to First Timothy real quickly. Paul is... Coming to the end of his life. He knows that he is about to die. And he says these words. I'm now ready to be poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. When he talks about departure. He's talking about departing from this life. He's talking about dying. He's talking about breathing his last breath. The time of my departure is at hand. And then he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I want you to notice the connection between departure and finishing. They're two different things. Departure has to do with departing from this life. Finishing has to do with completing the race that God has set before us. The sad thing is that there are a lot of people who depart, but they don't finish. They, they die. They end this life, but they don't finish the race. And Paul says, I have finished the race. March, tap, chap, or March, you know you're a preacher when you're saying March chapter 7. <laughs> March uh, 7th, 2012 is a day that I will, uh, I'll never forget. My father and I had uh, an amazing relationship uh, he was my he was my hero in so many areas. He was my spiritual hero. Uh, he was my pastor as a as a little boy growing up. Uh, it was under his ministry that I had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship uh, with God. Uh, he's the one that encouraged me when I felt like God was calling me toward ministry. My dad and I just had a really 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 neat relationship. We talked all the time. Uh, we talked quite a few times during the week, almost every week, but, but every Saturday morning, that was our special time. didn't matter where I was, thank God for cell phones, uh, but we, he and I would talk and we'd find out how he was doing. He lived in Oklahoma, and uh, I remember talking to him a few days prior to this and asking him how he was doing, and he said, well, he said, it's been a rough, rough week. He said, I've, I've got shingles right now, and anybody that's ever dealt with shingles knows that it's incredibly painful. It's not life-threatening, but it is incredibly painful. And uh, so I talked to my dad about it and told him I'd be praying for him. And a few days later, I was in, uh, I was in Waxahachie, Texas, for our uh, uh, board meeting at our Bible school there. And in the, middle of that, uh, in the middle of that board meeting, I got a text from someone in my dad's church. And they said, hey, we wanted to let you know we just had to... Had to rush your dad to the hospital, uh, and uh, we got him to the emergency room. Nothing, nothing to be worried about. He had just gotten dehydrated because uh, he hadn't been eating and drinking the way that he needed to. And uh, so throughout the day, they were giving me reports. They gave me a report later, and they said, "Hey, they got some fluids in him. He's doing really, really well." 
As a matter of fact, some of the families there with him, some of the people from the church, and he's laughing, and they're just having a great time talking there in the hospital room. Your dad is doing great. They're going to keep him overnight, but they'll let him out in the morning and send him home, and he's going to be, he's going to be fine. We got on the plane that evening and to fly, fly back to Albuquerque, and uh, we landed, and as we were walking through the airport, I remember getting on the escalator at the top of the escalator to come down to baggage claim, and just as we got on that escalator, my cell phone rang, and it was a lady in my dad's church, and she said, hey, Mike, I want to let you know I don't know what's going on, but the hospital just called, and they've got a code blue on your dad. And I said, what? What's, go- what's going on? I thought everything was fine. And he- they said, well, we'll we'll let you know as soon as we we find out something. So we picked up our baggage. We got in the car, and we're we're driving on home, and just about the time we came through the big eye, heading north, phone rang again, and I picked it up, and the voice on the other end of the line said, uh, Mike, I'm so sorry, but, but your dad didn't make it. And, of course, they were communicating to me that my dad had passed away. And, obviously, that was a, that's a difficult thing, but the phrase that they shared with me was, he didn't make it. And in that moment, I thought, no, no, he made it. He made it. You see, I'd heard him preach about heaven so many times. I heard him preach about the race. I'd heard him preach from Hebrews chapter 12 so many times And all of a sudden, I could see my dad. I could see my dad coming to the finish line. I think we've got a little brief video clip of Jason coming to the finish line of uh, of the uh, Iron Man. If we can show that little video clip real quick. I told you earlier that the finish line is nothing like it. I wish I could have really captured it all. One of the things I thought was interesting about that, I looked at it again this morning even before I drove up here, was that I'm telling you, Jason felt like just quitting in the middle of the race. But as he approached the finish line, there's a burst of energy. <laughs> Did you notice that? And there's this one guy that's just kind of walking along. Here's Jason. I mean, he is going to the finish line, and he's raising his hand. And as I got that call got that call about my dad, and I thought about him finishing the race. My mind went back to Hebrews chapter 12. It talks about the fact that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, a great cloud of witnesses. In the natural, when Jason came to the finish line, the announcer was saying, and now coming to the finish line is Jason Dickinson, whatever the number was on his, uh, uh, for him to be a part of that race. And I went back to Hebrews chapter 12. And I thought about my dad. I know that schedules aren't the same. Dates aren't the same. But I began to envision a picture of March the 7th, about 9 o'clock in the evening. And all of a sudden, the, the, the crowd of heaven is standing and they're roaring and they're celebrating. And the announcer of heaven is saying to them, and now coming to the finish line, is Melvin Eugene Dickinson, my dad. He finished the race. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Can I ask you to bow your heads with me just for a moment? I want us to think about what this really is all about. Some of you are here this morning and uh, you started the race. I want you to think about that. Think back to that moment in time when you whether it was in the privacy of your home or perhaps in a 
church service or perhaps you were watching a, a ministry or listening to a ministry on television. Whatever the setting was, but you, you began the race. You invited Jesus to come into your heart. And you've been on that race. Some of you have been on that race for a few months, a few years. Some of you have been on that race for, for many years. I don't know what's going on with you in the race this morning, but I do know that this race is not all downhill. And I want to pray for you this morning before we close the service that God would just, that God would encourage you and minister to you on the race. Some of you are here today and you're, you're tired. The race has beat you up. Some things have not turned out the way you really wanted them to turn out. There are some others sitting here this morning and you've made some mistakes. You've made some bad choices and you failed along the way. And the enemy would scream into your, into your ear, give it up, give it up. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. But I want to pray for you this morning that God would, would encourage you, that you would hear the encouragement, the author and the finisher of our faith. I wonder how many of you just would just be, be honest Heads are bowed. Just in the privacy of this moment, you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Mike, I'm, I'm one of those runners in the race, but I, I really do need prayer today. There's some things going on that I need God to really come alongside me. Thank you so much. Just raise your hand. Put it right back down. Yeah. A lot of hands. A lot of hands. Let me ask another question before we pray. I wonder how many of you are here this morning. You're not walking in relationship with Jesus. You've never perhaps invited him into your heart. You've never taken that step of faith. Or perhaps you at one time were walking in relationship with him, but you know today you're far from God. You're, you're not where you need to be. And you need to begin that journey. You need to begin that journey by saying, Jesus, come into my heart. I want to make you my Lord and my Savior, the author, the beginning of my faith, and the finisher of my faith. I want to invite Jesus to be my Lord. I want a fresh beginning, a new beginning. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand real quick? I want to pray for you as well. Thank you. How many others? Real quick, just be honest. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. Let me tell you, God loves you so much. God loves you so much. He really cares for you. I'll tell you what, I want to lead you in a prayer. Would you just repeat this prayer after me, every one of us? We're going to pray with those who raise their hand specifically saying, I, I need to invite Jesus in today. And then I'm going to pray over all of you as Pastor Eric comes back up. But would you just repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Wash away my sins. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you for giving me a fresh start. I give my life to you. I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. And now, Father, I pray, God, for every individual, God, who's in this race. God, there's some here today that are pretty beat up. There's some today, God, that are 
that are discouraged and the race has gotten hard. But God, I pray that today will be a day of encouragement, a day of affirmation, a day of speaking into their spirits. Lord, thank you that you don't bail out on us during the race. You are the finisher of our faith. You are the finisher of our faith. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you would breathe fresh life into every one of us so that we can finish strong. Help us to be an army of believers who finishes the race. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.